welcome to the School of Laughs podcast, brought to you by SchoolofLaughs.com. Whether you're an aspiring comedian, a part-time pro, or a speaker who wants to become funnier, this is the podcast for you. We'll break down tools, tips, and techniques to help you get bigger, better, and more bookable. And now, here's the show. Welcome to the School of Last podcast. Rick Roberts here with a fun interview today with Jane Atkinson. Jane is from the Wealthy Speaker podcast, and I got to be on her show a while back, dug really deep into how speakers can punch up their programs with comedy, and I returned the favor, had her on mine, and boy, did she return the favor in droves today. Lots of good information. You're going to definitely want to check out the show notes so you can make sure you apply some of the stuff she shared today. We're going to get into that in just a second. I do want to thank our Patreon supporter for this episode, Chris Roop. Chris Roop, 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 Roop. What's up, buddy? Thanks for supporting the podcast. Happy to see your comedy journey continuing to evolve and uh, get bigger and better. All that good stuff's happening your way, and I'm excited to see it, and I'm excited to see that you're sponsoring the podcast. That's exciting. Hey, I want to take just a second here. I don't want to rush through this, but I want to let you know about a very unique opportunity, January 3rd and 4 here in Nashville, Tennessee. You know, over the past, uh, oh, I guess 12 years now, I've been teaching stand-up comedy here in Nashville to people who wanted to become stand-up comedians, people who maybe just wanted to do it off their bucket list, or people who wanted to hit the open mic and be better. But I never really had the time to develop a course just for speakers who want to become funnier on stage. Not not to become stand-up comedians, but to learn what we do to make material funny. How we shorten stories into jokes. How we can get laughs on demand to lighten the mood so people can listen to the next thing we say. And I finally, over the past six months, uh, since middle of June, have been working uh, slow and steady like the turtle to get this thing put together. And man, I cannot be more fired up than the Master Laughter Class launching in January. This will be something I do maybe a couple times a year, different parts of the country, but the first one will be right here in the Nashville area in my neck of the woods. And uh, I, let me tell you a little bit about it, and then I'll get onto the episode. And if you want to get onto the episode, just hit uh, fast forward like six times on your little thing, your player. But this class will be a two-day hands-on workshop. We'll be going from like, you know, 10 to 4, two days in a row, Friday and Saturday. First weekend in January where people are typically slow, not a lot of bookings going on for speakers especially. And we're going to take your specific program, either one that you've already developed and you want to punch up or one that you're working on and you want to find out how to put humor in there. We're going to look at those specific programs and find targeted spots to add humor to it. I'll teach you some joke writing skills. I'll teach you how to look for punchlines. I'll teach you how to, to really, what's the best way to put it, to engage deeper with your audience. If you're just up there delivering data and opinions and strategies, that can all be helpful. But if people aren't actively listening to everything you're saying, 90% that's getting lost. They're not going to take action because they tuned out, zoned out, looked at their phone, whatever they did. Comedy is a way to keep people on the edge of their seat. It's a way to reward your audience. They they love to laugh. I don't care what the topic is. And I, I'm serious about this. I don't care if you speak to funeral home directors or you speak at cancer benefits. Humor is a way to lighten the mood and, and form a connection. You've probably heard the term know, like, and trust. People have to know you, then they have to like you, then they have to trust you before they do business with you. 
And, you know, for an example of that, the Patreon supporters of this podcast, they probably listened to some episodes for a while and decided, hey, this is worthwhile. They got to know me. Then they're like, oh, man, I've used some of this stuff. I like how it's happening. I like the guy that's delivering it to me. And then they trust me and they want to encourage it and they sponsor the podcast. Well, your audience, if you're a speaker, if they don't know and like you, there is zero chance that they're going to trust you and take what you're teaching them and apply it. So comedy is the quickest way to break through the barriers of no like and trust and gain their trust as a speaker on stage so they can actually take what you're teaching and use it. Long story short, if this sounds interesting to you, check out masterlaughterclass.com. That's masterlaughterclass.com. And uh, just read through it. There's pricing on there. There's an early bird uh, special price. You see it expires December 15th. Well, that's when this episode comes out. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to extend early bird pricing all the way through Christmas, all the way through the midnight on Christmas. All right. So if you wake up, you decide you've got a couple of dollars you want to invest in your career next year. Uh, it's not too late on Christmas to go ahead and get the early bird pricing. Uh, but the pricing will stay the same all the way until class starts or until we hit 12 attendees. I'm going to cap it at 12 so we have time for everybody. So jump in, jump on it, masterlaughterclass.com. If this isn't for you, but you know a speaker who could benefit from this, by all means, by all means, share the information with them, masterlaughterclass.com. All right. Didn't want to go too fast over that, but I certainly wanted people to know it before it, it happened. And I know a lot of people listen to the podcast a few weeks after it comes out. So hopefully you didn't miss it. Email me if you're interested. Let's get into this week's episode with Jane Atkinson. Jane, tell us about how you can be a wealthy speaker or comedian. All right, let's get into it. Thanks for listening. Talk to you on the other side. Well, hello, Jane. How are you doing this morning? I'm doing great. So good to talk to you, Rick. Yeah, I had a great time on your podcast a while back, kind of sharing some insights on how comedians approach speaking and also how they can teach speakers how to implement some humor and, and have more fun with their speeches. And I got some great response from some of your listeners, so I appreciate you having me on there. And I thought only fair to return the favor. Well, um, I'm so happy that you did come on because one of the big missing elements for many, many speakers, and this is even if you just give a speech in your job on a day-to-day -day basis, is humor. A lot of people you know, don't take it like from a craftsmanship standpoint and go through and logically space out their humor. So it was really, really helpful for you to come on the Wealthy Speaker Show. Thank you. We're trying to save meetings one joke at a time. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah, it is interesting how sometimes we don't put the value on humor like we should sometimes. But, mm -hmm. you know, as I was thinking about having you on my show, there's a lot of things that comics don't do that we probably don't do, I think, because a lot of comics become comedians because we can't fit into any culture or any kind of uh, restraints or guidelines or following instructions, even though when you become a successful comedian, you have to do all that on the fly. Speakers sometimes start from a, a very more specific, this is going to be a business and grow their speaking business. So I wanted to ask you a few questions today about how comedians can, can look at their comedy shows and, and their performances more as a business mm. so that they can quantify if their business is doing well and then look at different ways we can improve on it. You know, I remember years ago, the first time I met uh, George Campbell, who came into the speaking business 
with uh, his character, Joe Malarkey, the world's worst motivational speaker. Yeah. (laughs) And he had his choose to lose program and it was hilarious. And when I first met George, he couldn't believe the differences between the, the comedy tour and speaking, you know, fees, everything was just blowing his mind and how well he was getting traded by the people who brought him in. And so he rose up and, and uh, has done a great job in terms of corporate work. And I see, I, I kind of see it from both sides. I don't claim to know as much as you do about humor, but there's definitely some things that we can cross over. When you cross into doing private events and fundraising events and everything outside the comedy club that doesn't come through that, you know, that gatekeeper, yeah. then it's a new ball game for comedians. They're, they're not used to, and I see it, sometimes I'll get undercut on a, on a show, you know, I'll, I'll follow up with the person that contacted me. I'm like, did you find somebody? And like, oh yeah, we got a guy's going to do it for a free sandwich, you know? I'm like, okay. Yeah, well, yeah. You know, good luck with that. And call me yeah. in 10 years when you decide to have a comedian again. <laughs> you know? Yeah, like a real comedian. And I, and I think here's what one of my coaches says is that if you don't get your fee, you haven't shown them enough value. And it's really hard in your world of comedy to show value. But of course that crosses into speaking as well is we just have to make them think that they've got to have you. And I don't know how exactly you do that on the phone when you're booking uh, something, but when when, there is definitely an advantage to, let's say, a corporate planner to hiring a professional versus someone who will do it for free, who is likely not a professional. You know, the, the amount of laughter in the room is a, has a big deal to do with how the rest of that meeting goes. And if that person bombs, that sets the stage for a crappy meeting. So I, I think, uh, thank you for educating me on that in terms of the clubs. But yeah, I definitely think that you need to show them that you are a professional and show them why they need to hire you over someone who is less. And that yes. perceived value is definitely a, something to think about. Right. And I think, you know, one of the best way comedians can do that, that are kind of starting to explore this corporate world and, and stuff, private events outside the comedy club, is to kind of have the offstage stuff speak really loudly on how professional they are, uh, how you mm. not only advance the show, but even before you get the event booked, showing them what you can do and having the, the digital assets, I call them like, you know, here are 115 recommendations from past clients. Here's, right. here's 15 specific to your industry. Here's uh, here's video of some of these clients saying what they thought about the show even better, here's the attendees at the event saying what they got out of it. And here's how I'll also help you promote the event with some videos that you can post on your social media. That's you know, all those huge. things outside of it, right? That's huge. That last piece you said is so big because putting bums in seats, if it's that type of an event. Okay, if these people are hostages and right. they, they're going to be in the room whether they want to be there or not, that's one thing. But let's set that aside and imagine that they want more people to actually show up for your session then putting uh, your getting the word out, showing them how much of a following that you have, and maybe you can even bring in more people and potentially new members, people that weren't exposed to them in the first place, that's huge. And if you do video for them, that's 
fun and funny talking about and getting them warmed up, then I think that's really a great uh, asset. And that shows huge um, value and reasons why they should choose you over somebody that's not as expensive. Right. And are there things that you do in advance as a speaker or, or coach your speakers to do to help the client envision the results before they book, you know, as you're on the, the, the I call it the discovery call and kind of feeling each other out and deciding if this mm-hmm. is a good fit. You know, how, I like to say things like, I'll even ask the question, how would you determine if this event is successful? It, that's exactly the right question. You know, what in your eyes would be the criteria for success and then they're going to feed you language and then you're going to slowly feed them that language back to themselves and that's how you're going to wrap up the call so that people walk out of the room and if they said pumped and motivated then you're going to say later on in the call pumped and motivated and really use their own words back to them. And you can also say, oh, I totally understand where you're coming from. I had this client, same industry, was looking for the same outcome. And this is what some of the people said afterwards. And does that sound good to you? Yes. And so basically you then, and then you go on to use their own language against them, (laughs) not against them, for the sale. (laughs) Well, yeah. I mean, it's important to hear what they're saying because Sometimes you'll get a response back, like their idea of what a successful event is would never even be on your radar. Right. And then you have power there with their own language. Oh, I wouldn't have even thought of that. So then you can think about what you have up your sleeve that can help them see that you can get them there. Right. And sometimes sometimes the the information they give you also tips you off that they, they really don't know what they're doing at all. And you can help them a little bit more. You know, occasionally I'll do it. Absolutely. A performance like an electrical co-op association where they really have to get all their members there once a year or a majority or a quorum or whatever they call it. Right. They have to vote on something. Annual meeting. Yeah. Annual meeting. And so I remember one time a lady, I said, you know, how would you describe if the event is successful? What do you see my role is in the event? She goes, we just need somebody on stage for 40 minutes while we count the votes. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, the bar is nice and low. Yeah, the pressure's off. (laughs) I, I can definitely take up 40 minutes of stay on your stage. Yeah. And, and how would it be if people were laughing for that entire 40 minutes? How would that be for you? Right, right. <laughs> and then she's going to say, well, that would be amazing, actually, because these annual general meetings are typically so dull and so boring. And sometimes they get into the weeds and people get angry. And this happens at my own speakers association. So I totally... Uh, I've been the angry one sitting there going, come on, guys, can we get this over with? A comedian afterwards is a brilliant idea or during the time when they're counting the votes. That is brilliant. I love that. Low bar. Yeah, just be, just don't fall off the stage, <laughs> basically. Yeah, low bar. Uh, you know, I think, too, there's, a, there's habits that comedians get into where, you know, the, the beautiful thing about uh, – comedy I guess is is once you once you get the ball rolling the videos do speak a lot for you and the phone rings from people that are just doing google search and finding you so Mm -hmm. there's incoming calls a lot but I think it takes a lot of comedians out of habits they should have for prospecting and looking for work and looking for better work especially so what tips would you have or, or some habits that a comedian should adapt from a speaking standpoint you know not necessarily every single day but but weekly habits that should be addressed every single week to grow the business. Well, you just mentioned these um, 
like a rural electrical association or something like that. When you find something that works, annual general meetings for rural electric, double down on it. If you and especially when you know, and those those meetings surprise you with their budgets sometimes. So continue to do that. And what we want to see you doing is on a regular basis really planning strategically what your outreach is going to be. So let's say you pick three target markets that you're going to do outbound campaigns for. Rural Electric would be one. What would be some other um, groups that you, you've you spoken for, Rick, that have budgets that would hire someone from a comedy standpoint? Yeah, I like performing for hospitals. Okay, so we could say healthcare yeah, and what else? And actually, there's a lot of... There's a lot of room to play within healthcare. They really need levity in that world. So it could be that you just choose two target markets, rural electric and healthcare, but maybe let's do one more just in case. You know, software providers, they, they have to have meetings every year to explain the new upgrades to their software and they're so very let's dry. Say, let's say like technology user groups. Mm-hmm. So those are three areas that you could say to yourself, okay, I am going to make, you know, 50 connections a month or 50 connections a week, depending on how aggressive you're going to be. And these are the three areas that I'm going to focus on. Now, rather than the whole spray and pray approach, you're being very, very specific. And guess what? The people at One Rural Electric will then talk to the state one over and say how great you were, and that's going to help you. And guess what? There's 50 more where that came from. So it's it's really great to have a strategy, but what's more important is consistent outbound strategy that you're really just um, – doing kind of all the, anything that you were really good at in booking dates in comedy clubs, you would want to apply that only to corporate. So yeah, making the list, calling down the list, finding out who the decision makers are. And and typically you'll start to find that there's a specific title, like executive director for associations that is the decision maker. And then you can just single those folks out, um, prospect on LinkedIn all those kinds of things. And if you can go back and say the executive director, so-and-so from such and such association, uh, thought it would be a good idea for me to reach out to you. Now you've got one more, you know, one more step above somebody else in the ladder. And if you create a really funny voicemail message and do like a one-two punch where you reach out on email, reach out on LinkedIn, leave a voicemail. It could be any, you know, two of three, or it could be three of three. Then they've heard your voice as well. Rick, you know, you're kind of like a good old boy kind of voice. And that would be something that is going to maybe appeal to my membership. So I'm thinking, oh, not only does this guy sound like a nice guy, but he's funny and um, now I've kind of heard his voice. So I have this level of familiarity to you that I wouldn't have with somebody else. Yeah, it's definitely something that we can easily overlook as a comic is to be funny while we're communicating it and contacting people, you know, so they can get a sample of what they're going to (laughs) buy. Exactly. Even your speech title should Mm -hmm. have some humor in it. What are you probably have some good speech titles, don't you? I've got It's Funny Now, I've got Listen Up, Laugh It Up, and I've got the Mayberry Method, so they all indicate a little bit of humor in there. Right. 
you know, so that they see what they're getting a little bit ahead of time. For sure. So let's say we've got the, uh, the three groups target that we want to market towards and an approach. You know, you mentioned, you know, calling or emailing. Is there still room for direct marketing as some part of that? You know, we, we always hear about the seven touches before people start to resonate with your branding. When's the last time you got, are you talking like direct mail? Yeah, like a postcard mailing. Yeah. When's the last time you got a postcard in the mail? Uh, I actually got one last week, but it was it had been a while before since that. Yeah, so I would say there's still room for that because, um, and especially if it said something funny on it that I wanted to post up on my bulletin board, like make it something that is not just your name and that you're a com- comedian, but have some sort of funny line that I'm going to remember and want to put up on my bulletin board. So that I'll, rem- you know, I'll, I'll have you tacked up in my office for whenever I'm in need. This is all about timing. And that's what I really love about a good postcard. I'm getting ready to do a postcard. Jeez, I'm putting myself under the wire here. It's going to say something really smart about business. Like how can you, how can your decisions play small while expecting your finances to play big. Mm-hmm. You can't you can't make decisions playing small and then expect your finances to play big. Something like that about playing big and playing small. And I want people to remember to make decisions from the place where you're already at the place where you want to be so that you're not playing small on your decision making and doing things based on fear. And so this postcard I'm hoping will go up on their bulletin boards and remind them and guess what at the bottom of the postcard will say wealthyspeakerschool.com and then they might remember that when they need some help in speaking they will head on over to the wealthy speaker school. Right, and it is about timing cuz <clears throat> we it's important for us every day to get a booking or to make a call, but it's only important to them one or two days of the year to even think about who their speaker is going to be, who their comedian is going to be. And a lot of times with comedy, especially if we have money left over in the budget, maybe we'll have a comedian as well. (laughs) (laughs) Right. So you want to be in the right place at the right time. And if your postcard's sitting up on that thing and you look really funny, then um, I think that's going to be in your favor, being in the right place at the right time. Yeah, and, and funny in there, you know, almost if the postcard says more about them even than about me, you know, if it shows that I can understand their industry and maybe there's a, a little joke I can write or a, a, a meme type thing that you can put on a postcard that totally resonates with them, exactly. then they'll it up and share it. Even better, even better. Like if you developed a really funny line for Rural Electric and you know you're going to be working that market for the next year, then that's money well spent. Mm-hmm. That's great. What what advice would you have for comics who want to approach the business a little bit stronger as far as leading up to the event? So let's say we've got the booking, we've made the connection. What are some, we talked about some things you can do to value add on the front end, like doing videos, but is, are there other things that we should be specifically doing and on a time frame? I'll share with you something that I think really amazing speakers will do, and you can tell me if you think this is applicable. Um, A lot of speakers will do a lot of homework on the audience before they get there, and they find out some of the language and that type of thing, and I think that's good. That's kind of the baseline. Mm -hmm. But if you can figure out a way to make a member 
of the audience, the hero of one of your stories, if that's possible, that takes it to a whole new level. And so all that might mean is that you have a joke or a story, a funny story that's already framed up, and now you're inserting this person's, you know, I was talking to Shirley over at Tennessee Rural Electric the other day, and she told me blah, 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 blah. And then that just tees up your already existing joke. And so you would ask three people, you would ask for three um, names of three people who are well-liked. That's important. Mm -hmm. You don't want the brown noser that nobody likes (laughs) to be the person that you call on and make the hero of your story. You you ask for three people that are well-liked in the association and can you call them and do a little bit of research. And then you're asking very specific questions. So if there's something that would come right back to one of the points that you're giving, then you want to ask a question that way. That makes a lot of sense. And yeah, I was just thinking I do that in, in my programs. Uh, and it's funny you mentioned three. So when I do the, the Mayberry method, I will arrest three people from the company based on information that I got from their boss. Right. And, and it's, so you're taking three people, hopefully, that everybody likes. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you say that. And you're making them now the hero or the place where the fun is at. And I think that that can be really, really special and something that everybody will remember. And that's, you know, the hallway conversations and everything will revolve around that for several weeks afterwards. Exactly. Yeah. The remembering you is, is so important. And sometimes we're just we're there to get in and get out and we don't think about, you know, the impact we have long-term and how, how will they talk about us? You know, if we don't have moments in our programs, whether it's a speaker or a comic that are like Kodak moments where they have a snapshot in their mind of what happened yeah. to go along with our, our catchy phrases that help them remember the sticky parts of our message, you know, we're really missing opportunities. And, and those two or three points along with those two or three lines could be the two or three postcard ideas that you send out. Oh yeah, exactly. In advance, here's here's some of the topics I'll be talking about, but here's a funny way that I'm getting it across the desk. I love that. Do you think, Rick, it would be helpful to talk about where the professional line is different from clubs versus corporate? Yeah, absolutely. Because um, one of the things that we're often talking about is, you know, language, right? Mm-hmm. How, how can you swear? How, 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 how does that go? And so in my experience, um, the majority of clients are probably most worried about how racy the act is. That's probably where their biggest concern is, mm-hmm. especially if they're a conservative uh, organization. So swearing and kind of maybe things that would be borderline filthy or in any way sexually derogatory, you know, we need to kind of show up pretty vanilla on that front. Would you agree? Yeah, I think it's more, res- I, just, I, I approach it as I'm going to show respect to your audience. I'm not going to say anything that's going to get you fired. It's going to be clean, but not corny. It'll be relatable. It'll be stuff we could all sit around and talk over dinner about and not feel disgusted about. You know, Exactly. So that maybe the dinner table conversation might be a good kind of testing ground. Is this a good dinner conversation if my two children are sitting there? Yay or nay. And that's a good, um, that's a good approach. 
I think also your level of professionalism, just walking in, getting there early, being doing the AV check like a pro would do, um, being prepared to have your time cut, that all often happens when somebody runs long. How, lo- how often do you get your time cut? Not too often, although a lot of times they start us later than they planned on. Like I always figure I'll be there an hour before they want me and expect to start the show about 30 minutes to 45 minutes after the end. Right. There's a meal involved. <laughs> okay. And you know, someone who would be a real pro might sit on on two or three hours of meeting prior to there and then pluck some stuff out of the meeting to make a joke about that. That I know takes a really special breed. Um, Dale Irvin did it for us at the National Speakers Association. Basically, he was pulling one-liners out of people's speeches and writing jokes and then presenting them a half hour later. Mm-hmm. Like, there takes some, uh, that's not everybody's gig, but if you can do that, then I think they love you even more because now you've customized it on the fly. It's one thing to customize it. That's a level of professionalism that's up from everybody else. But then the next level up from that would be to customize on the fly. Right. Yeah. And that does take a special breed and somebody that's a, a better listener than, than most people. <laughs> you know, a lot of people <laughs> that speak don't listen as good as they should. That's for sure. Someone who doesn't listen with their mouth. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> yeah. 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 That's a good way of putting it. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So in terms of other things that would really annoy a corporate meeting planner, I would say going over on your time mm-hmm. is a huge one. Probably that's huge in comedy too. You didn't, probably are already trained to do that really well. Hey. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, as far as again, kind of, let's say we've, we've done the gig now and there's, we're on the other end of it. The audience is headed out the door and the, the meeting planner is happy. What are some things that speakers do that maybe comments can learn from to turn those past clients into return clients, you know, for a comedian, it, it could be, and the speaker's not exclusive of this either. If you just gave your best presentation or maybe your only one hour presentation, right. it may not be on your radar to cultivate that relationship for future bookings. But what are some things that speakers can do to, to help other speakers out or comics could do to help other comics out after the event? Well, you've probably heard of this before where three, four, five different people come together and say, okay, when I'm done, they're not going to have me back for sure next year. Why don't I introduce them to two or three other people? And then they kind of rotate. Right. And we also shouldn't always assume that the exact same audience is going to show up a year later or two years. Exactly. If you're doing things well, then the audience should grow. You know, I, I do a lot of fundraising events, especially this time of year, November's they, they try to get the money before you spend it on Christmas stuff. That's right. That's very smart. It's, it's the way they do it. I've noticed. So the first time I did the fundraiser, uh, two years ago, they had about It'll 50 grow. people. Yeah. And they said, we're going to bring you back the next year. Cause now we know what we, what we got. We weren't really sure what a comedian would do. It was right. 120 the second year. And this past year was 380. See, that's you. That's all you. People are like, Oh, you got to come. This kid, this guy was so funny. And so even if you circle back and did the exact same show you did in year one, nobody would care. Yeah. I mean, it, the audience is four times, five times, six times bigger now. So yeah. 
There's a lot of new people in that audience and the old people are going to laugh harder at the things they heard before. They are not going to be upset that they've heard it already. And so I'd say just bring all your best stuff. Right. And on, on top of that, I would, what I always make sure I do and what might be helpful for our listeners is um, I got a quote from the person the first year, you know, mm-hmm. Rick did a job, for, you know, but I went back to the second year and said, okay, I know I did this last year, but you see me twice now. What would you say? And then the third year I said, okay, it's been a third, third. Yeah. I know you get tired of doing this probably, but, but, but the third yeah. one, the, the first sentence is, this is the third time we've hired Rick. Yeah. That and that really speaks is. much larger than we hired Rick and he did a good job for our first fundraiser. Exactly. Uh, and okay. So also when you're getting testimonials on the speaking side, we try to go for testimonials that don't just speak to your being good. We want to actually look at results. So that testimonial should say, this is the third time we've had him back. And because he's been so good, our audience tripled or whatever the percentage came up. Like it was because of him that so many more people and then give me like the dollar value of our fundraising efforts went up 40%. That is, that's a powerful testimonial versus Rick's a good speaker. Right. And that's kind of leads me to my next thing is, is how do we explain our value without sounding, sounding boastful? And that's the way we can do it, right? We can have the event planner say specifically, first year we had 50 people raise 6,000 bucks. Yeah. The third year in a row now that we've had them, you know, we raised close to 50,000. So they can see the, yeah. the return on the value. Definitely. And a great question to ask if it works is what changed as a result of our work together, what changed? Um, And so it won't always be a good question for everybody across the board, but it could be a good question for anybody who has kind of like those tangible. And then even if you're just talking, so let's say it's after the event, I would try to follow up pretty quickly in your world because you want to get them while they still feel really hot and good about it. Like there's all those endorphins are flying. You got to get them before they settle down. And so let's, if you say, Hey, can I give you a quick call tomorrow? I just want to ask you a couple of questions. Then you ask them the question and then they say, well, let's talk about what changed, you know, from year to year. And then they say, you say, Hey, can I quote you on that? And then you write them a two line email. Yep. They put their check mark. Now you have your testimonial within 48 hours and you're not waiting for some letter to come in the mail or anything like that. You've got your testimonial really, really fast. Right, right. You get them while they're hot for sure. Hit them while they're hot. Exactly. And also get them before you get busy and look back because there's, there's busy seasons for all speakers in different niches, right? Yeah. This is the beginning of a really crazy four months in a row where it's just comedy comes into play a lot for different conferences and then Christmas parties and the see that's really interesting because a lot of our professional speaking world will calm down drastically in December right Mm -hmm. there are lots of speakers who will take the whole month of December just off in order to recuperate so they might take all of August off and all of December off and that way they they're working 10 months of the year and they don't get burnt out that way Right. And that, that's the time where you typically kind of re- reconnect and figure out, okay, what do I need to, you know, promote going forward? What do I need to recap? Of course, you got all your tax stuff at the end of the year you're trying to gather together. 
Exactly. So. And, and and also what I would really encourage everybody to do is to kind of rise up to the 10,000 foot level over their business and say, what's working? What needs fixing? Do I need some team or somebody to hire to get in there? Um, really think about your business as a whole rather than that day-to-day working in the business. It's very difficult to do that kind of strategy and planning. They say it's hard to see the label from inside the jar. Uh-huh. So sometimes that's where a coach comes in to really help you uh, take a look at what's working and what's not. Yeah, and let's talk about the different areas where they can be coached in because A, You've got your, your stage skills, you know, whether mm-hmm. it's learning how to be funny or learning how to be more articulate or to narrow or down your craft, message. Crafting yeah, a craft presentation, work. like how does it, how might it um, look in terms of the craft? You know, we talk about opening story, three key ideas, and then a closing story as a super simple speech formula. So there's the craft, there's humor, of course, but some people just do humor punch up work. That's an actual thing now where mm-hmm. you read somebody's stuff and help them do punch up work. But let's set aside presentation skills over in my world. We take a look at, all right, what is what is your first line of offense when somebody starts looking at you? So we look at your website, and from there, we're going to look at what your promise statement is. Is it clear on the value that you're bringing to the table? Are people going to get that within 10 seconds of coming to your website? And then we'll take a look at your video and see if your video is being effective in terms of getting you the gig every time. And then from the marketing, we're going to kind of look at all of your systems, your fire systems. How are you reaching out to people? What target markets are you approaching? And who do you need on the team in order to help you with that? So we kind of cover a lot of things soup to nuts. And all of those pieces are things that need to be examined. You know, just your outreach alone is something that you could spend a lot of time examining. Right. And we are sometimes way too close to it as the person who's delivering all that. And if, you know, the thing that I've noticed as you kind of move up different levels is the busier you get, sometimes you'll look back and go, oh man, it's been six months since I've done any kind of updates on my website. And exactly. I'm, I'm much better now. My re- website doesn't reflect it or my marketing materials, or I've got six months worth of quotes, but none of that are in my marketing materials. Maybe I should freshen that up. So yeah. Yeah. As you grow, oftentimes, Rick, the missing component is team. You don't have someone on your team who, even if you hire them virtually for, you know, three hours a week, that's somebody who you can pass that stuff along to. As you get more and more busy, that becomes more important, that you're not doing all the jobs yourself. Right. And maybe discuss quickly where people can go to find some of those virtual team members. I know there's a variety of services out there, but do you have a few that have been very consistently good for you and, and your people? Yeah, I've used a company called BizEase. I think it's BizEase Support. If you Google that, Terry Green has provided me with a lot of, I would say it's a little bit higher level virtual assistant. Um, I also use a team from a content marketing. Let's say you have a blog that you want to get put out and put out on social media. Their name is Vertastic. And it's um, ver and task is T-A-S-K-I-C. And then um, 
you, but the, both of those are at a little bit higher dollar level. If you're looking for someone less expensive, then you could maybe find them anywhere on any of the Fiverr or um, what's the one that merged and ended up becoming. I've used them several times now and I can't think of their name, but there's, there's places out there where you can go to find people to do one-off jobs for you mm -hmm. or to do things on a regular basis. But there is an association of virtual assistants and you can go through them and see, you know, very, I, hi, I like to hire the person who's the best at the thing I need. So if I want somebody to do social media, I want the best at social media. If I want somebody to do graphic design, I want the best at graphic design. So I've been able to put my team together. I have about five people that I work with on a regular basis and then maybe another couple. And um, it's really nice when your team is locked in and doing well. Oh, it's amazing how your, your business can run like a well-oiled machine. Yeah, and freeing up time for you to do all the more important things, which is coming up with the ideas. Content development, sales, and coaching. That's all I do. Right. And, yeah. and you have what we call the Wealthy Speaker School, and you have Speaker Launch. Tell us a little bit about that, because I think comics, especially since we a lot of us don't have any systems in place or we don't really look at our material objectively, we just like, if it gets a laugh, it's working. But but you know, <laughs> that's your that's your litmus test. <laughs> that's your litmus test. But you know, there's there's a lot of things we're missing out on probably. So tell us about your your approaches to helping people out. Well, we follow a strategy called Ready Aim Fire. And because it's a strategy that we know over 30 years has worked for lots and lots of speakers to earn higher and higher fees, um, we follow that with everybody. So in the ready stage, we help people get crystal clear on what they're selling. And that's where we develop that promise statement to make sure that's clear. Selling to comedy and selling speeches is two really different things. So how are you going to do that on the homepage of your website? How are you going to balance those two? That's tricky. And then in the aim phase, we make sure that the website and the video are rock solid, and then we start firing it out. And so we follow that philosophy no matter who it is. That's where we start, and um, we're able to help them through whether it be that they come in through the school where it's a really nice low price point and you can be a part of the school for as long as you want or as short as you want. And there's a lot of really amazing learning in there. It's online, but we also have a community to support it all the way up through private coaching with me. There's, there's things at all different levels. And um, did I answer your question though? Yeah, I think there's so much that you, you offer that the people just don't, they're not even thinking about, you know, so it, it, it's just, Every step of the way, there's going to be some discoveries that lead to a, definitely a clearer message, which helps your clearer marketing and your, your programs become clearer. Yeah. And that's, that's what I think maybe a lot of comics who, who really aren't even thinking about speaking, but they want to maybe get into the corporate environment, yeah. still need to have the terms and the structure that they're used to when they're hiring a keynote speaker. And that is, what is your, they're, they're always going to ask you, even me as a comedian, what's your message or what, what style of comedy do you do? Right, and right. And have that put some value in that statement, it helps them out. Yeah. And if you're, uh, if you have humor with a message, oh, that's gold. I mean, sometimes they are just going to want straight up 
no, I just want a comedic act to do this particular thing. But humor with a message really is what's selling. And I think that um, when I used to work with the Speakers Bureau down in Dallas, the calls would come in and it would be high energy and humor. High energy and humor. That was kind of what everybody was asking for. And I don't think that's gone out of style. I think what we can help people do also, even though we know all these other ends of the business, is really just help them work on growing the business of their dreams. We really get people thinking about what's possible and then setting out a strategy to actually make it happen. Yeah, as you said at the beginning, a lot of people kind of think small and want big results. But if you think big, then you go, okay, how do I get there? And it changes the way you approach everything, right? It really does. You know, we call this as if thinking, you know, to make your decisions from the place where you're already earning the amount of money that you want to make. And like I said, how can you make your decisions playing small and expect to get results that are playing big. So you've got to kind of align that. And of course, we don't expect people who are in year one to spend money foolishly. We don't want that. But there comes a stage where you say to yourself, okay, what got me to my first 100K is not going to get me to 500. I have to level up some of my stuff. And that's, that's really the sweet spot that I think we lie in. Right. And I, and I noticed that you have the emerging speaker, the rising superstar. You've, you've got content for each part of the game to help we people do. progress. So it would be ridiculous to expect the first year speaker to do some of the stuff that the full-time pro. I guess the way I, I kind of explain it to comics is you can't get full-time pay for part-time work. And so you've got to put in over and above the hours that the other people are putting in so you get more results. Yeah. Exactly. And the consistency of what you're doing, uh, you can't be running this business kind of flying by the seat of your pants. Right. If people want to find out more about you and your programs. The regular website is called speakerlauncher.com. And people can come there. They've got, I've got tons and tons of blog posts about speaking, tons and tons of podcasts about speaking. The uh, podcast is called The Wealthy Speaker podcast. And then if they think that they might want to check out the school, it's at wealthyspeakerschool.com. And we tend to keep it open quite a bit more than other schools. Like sometimes they're closed for six months and then they open again. We don't necessarily do it that way. Um, So chances are you'll find that it's open when you get there. All right. That sounds great. Well, I appreciate your time today. I learned that's always my goal. So if I learned, hopefully my listeners do as well. Awesome. Thank you, Rick. You're welcome. Thanks a lot, Jane. Hope you enjoyed that interview with Jane Atkinson. Jane is a wealth of knowledge, and she's gifted at distributing that knowledge. We've got links to all of her sites in the show notes, so you want to go there, find out more about how maybe she can help you in your career. She's uh, just a great resource. Happy to know her. Happy to have her on the podcast. Also, I was on her podcast a while back. We've linked to that in the show notes, too. And this is especially good if you're a speaker who wants to become funnier, because I really broke it down in multiple different ways, uh, applicable takeaways on how you can start to implement comedy in your speeches. And if that's something that really drives you, don't forget the Master Laughter class starts January 3rd and 4th, two-day workshop here in Nashville, hands-on. We're going to operate. Remember that game Operation where you, you... Try not to hit the buzzer on the side and try to remove the funny bone and stuff like that. We're going to surgically implant the funny bone into your 
programs, presentations, speeches, content, speakers, teachers, trainers, preachers. This is designed especially for you. Excited about the people I've got enrolled already. And I can tell you right now, if you join in, you're going to benefit massively from their skill level. These are high-level speakers and uh, pastors, people who already speak at a high level. They're going to add value to what I'm already presenting in the class. And I know if you're listening, you could probably add some value too. MasterLaughterClass.com for that. Thanks again to Chris Roop for sponsoring this particular episode of the School of Last podcast. What else can I tell you? Oh, I did want to read an iTunes review. I encourage you to review this and, and uh, leave us a little thing on iTunes. I have one right here that I'm trying to pull up slowly and surely. Got it. Here it comes. This was from Live Best on November 16th. I believe I know who this is. A certain person out there in the West Coast says, listening, learning, and laughing. I'm listening to Rick Roberts' School of Last podcast like it's my job. Oh, I guess it is. I'm implementing his tips, tricks, and techniques in my corporate wellness program, food columns, and blog. Stand-up is not my goal, but as a Patreon supporter, his Club 52 weekly challenges push me to improve my business and platforms. I'm delighted to be flexing my make-it-funny muscle and investing in myself. Thanks, Rick. And that, my friends, is what it's all about. Why do this if you're not doing it at a high level? Why not try to get better every time you step up to the mic and do stuff off stage to make yourself more bookable? And that's what she's doing. I know it's a she because I know who sent this. Thank you very much for sending the iTunes review. If you send one in, I'll read it on the show. And again, thanks. And thanks to Doc Kennedy. Merry Christmas, Doc. Thanks for making the podcast flow and flow well without you behind the editing uh, software and your mind and knowing where to cut. Uh, this podcast would have shut down a little while ago. So thanks to Doc Kennedy. Send him a nice message on Twitter or Facebook if you listen to the show. Thanks. Merry Christmas. God bless everybody. Hope to uh, see you, talk to you, watch your show, do something fun together in 2020. This is the last podcast before Christmas, so I just wanted to say that. And uh, y'all are a blessing in my life. Hopefully you've had a good year. If you've had challenges, I hope that you surpass them next year or learn from those challenges to share what you've learned with others. Thanks. God bless. Take care. Talk to you in the new year. Oh, yeah, and stay safe. <laughs> oh, and stay funny. Thanks for listening to the School of Laughs podcast. If you'd like to hear more School of Laughs podcasts, you can find them on iTunes and Stitcher.com. And don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. For information on upcoming live and online classes, visit SchoolofLaughs.com. Until next time, stay tuned, stay focused, and stay funny.